Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And today we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Art Kellerman, the CEO of VCU Health and Senior Vice President for Health Sciences at VCU, for a conversation about his professional journey, his work as the CEO of a health system in the era of COVID-19, reflections from his initial year in that role, and some thoughts on what lie ahead. And with that brief introduction, welcome to the program, Dr. Kellerman. Thank you. Well, we're glad to have you and appreciate you being with us. And so let's just jump right in. As I mentioned in the intro, we want to do a bit of a look ahead as part of this conversation. But before that, I'm interested in hearing your observations about your time so far at the helm of VCU Health, which you joined in 2020 amid the COVID-19 pandemic and concurrent with a broader societal movement around racial reckoning nationally and in Virginia, including here in Richmond, where VCU's flagship medical center and institutions are based. In a recent promotional video that you participated in, you cite the outpouring of community support in the form of thousands of donated meals and PPE items during the pandemic, as well as staff resilience during the exhausting response to a large-scale public health emergency, and VCU's work to vaccinate thousands of people, including those in underserved communities, which sort of brings a lot of those themes together. So as you assess your time in this role and all that's happened in it since 2020, what stands out for you? You know, I'd have to say that I was drawn to VCU and drawn to Richmond and Virginia, both because its unique role and its amazing impact on American history and on America today. But for this system, its absolute commitment to the community, to the Commonwealth, to the safety net, and at the same time providing a breadth and depth of services that are very difficult to find anywhere else in the Mid-Atlantic all in the same place. And to have an opportunity to join a team like that was too good to pass up. Now, one could argue that I didn't have the best sense of timing to try to come on board (laughs) with an organization in the middle of the second wave of the pandemic. And I even remember interviewing in one of the very few hotels in downtown Richmond. I remember, you know, interviewing basically back in August when everybody was locked down and my wife and I sort of creeping into town and staying in one of the very few hotels in downtown Richmond that was open. And everybody was absolutely petrified to be near anybody else. And yet the place just called to me on multiple levels, and I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity. The team here is incredible. I've never worked with a group of people that are more resourceful, more dedicated, more able to think and innovate on the fly. And they needed all of those skills and a lot more to manage both the pandemic, which is, as we know, an ongoing challenge to the Commonwealth, to our country, and to the world, but also to carry forward a remarkable set of investments, developments, and innovations designed to position the health system to be even more impactful at serving the community and the Commonwealth going forward. Two major downtown buildings that were not stopped at any point in the pandemic. Major investments in information technology, including a modern electronic health record. Other systems changes that will make us easier to access, more patient-focused than ever before. And all of that was continued without pause through the most challenging aspects of the first several waves of the pandemic. So I've got a team that's tired, but dedicated, dedicated to one another, dedicated to their patients, and dedicated to the Commonwealth. And I'm just honored to be a part of that team. 
Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytic services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. Well, and you mentioned a lot of the ongoing work that was happening in the background, even as the pandemic response was ongoing. And I think that's a great point that sometimes gets overlooked, that even when hospitals and health systems were called upon to really shift and adjust in real time to this emerging public global health emergency, all of the other necessary functions and the regular functions that hospitals perform were still happening, as well as, as you talk about, you know, some of the innovations or just the evolutions. And so you mentioned some of those programs, and I do want to hit those. So you referenced the history of Virginia and Richmond, and I referenced some of the shifting societal attitudes and awareness about matters of race and equity. VCU is an urban medical center, VCU Medical Center, serves a diverse community and has undertaken a number of diversity and inclusion initiatives as a reflection of that. Dr. Marcel Davis was a recent guest on this podcast, and I know Cheryl Garland and others have done significant work on programs to address disparities and uplift people and improve quality of life, whether through the Health Hub or the Massey Cancer Center's work on disparities or through some of the other apprenticeship programs I know that VCU has supported. As a leader of a socially responsible health system, Dr. Kellerman, what are your views on best practices or strategies regarding health equity and how those philosophies can be implemented into an organizational culture in a way that complements existing research and clinical efforts, as well as the fundamental duty to enhance patient care and outcomes? Well, this is one of the major draws for me coming here. And this has been an important issue for my entire life. The man who convinced me that medicine was my calling was my small town in East Tennessee's only African-American doctor. I'm a Harry Medical School graduate named Hiram Moore. So this has been important to me personally from the first moment that I even thought about getting involved with healthcare and medicine. By the way, Marcel Davis has recently been promoted to vice president and chief diversity officer for the health system. And she and Cheryl Garland are absolutely powerhouses in driving these issues. So at its base, the most important thing is we treat everybody as a human being with dignity, with respect, with skill, and with compassion. And that should not differ regardless of one's geography, income, race, ethnicity, background, sexual orientation, or any other characteristic. They're all human beings. They're all people that we're here to serve. And I think that's really a core value of the place. But let's face it, you know, Richmond and Virginia and our country and VCU and its predecessors have not always done the best in the past. So we have also bravely confronted and acknowledged that we were not in the best of places years ago. You should not hide from that. We need to build trust and confidence in the community. And by being open and honest about the past and yet bold and committed to a very different future, I think we can build that kind of trust. The impact, for example, that Dr. Rob Wynn has had with Facts Face 
faith in Fridays in reaching out to the faith community in Richmond and particularly to African-American pastors to provide objective, actionable health information for congregations is a great example of that. Cheryl and Ashir Nassim at VCU's Monroe Park campuses outreach through the Health Hub at 25th, which was a major site for community vaccination in one of the most resource-challenged neighborhoods in the state, much less Metro Richmond, is another example. And I'm proud to say that VCU Health System, not only do we have comparable health outcomes adjusted for risk in our black and our white patients across the board, which is not common in American healthcare, but we also were named the most ethical hospital in the entire state of Virginia by the Lown Institute, which rates hospitals based on their commitment to the community and their ethics. And I'm incredibly proud of that recognition. I did actually see uh, that announcement when that came out. I think it was a few weeks or a month ago. So that is indeed a great recognition. I want to talk now about workforce a little bit. The data tells us that throughout 2020 and 2021, utilization of many hospital-based service lines has been down across the board, which obviously has negative revenue implications for providers. At the same time, we know the demand for mental, behavioral, and substance use treatment services rose across the board, including in hospital settings. We also know that hospitals have had to adjust staffing models in many cases, bring in travel or contract clinical staff at added expense to meet the demand for care associated with the pandemic. So at a moment in time where the pandemic is still very much with us and the trend line forecast continues to project a need for more trained clinical professionals now and in the years ahead, what insights can you offer about addressing some of the existing workforce challenges in the industry and how we get about addressing them? I think this is the top challenge, and it's a direct result of the pandemic that American healthcare faces across the board. And I don't know a system that is not struggling with this issue. We have talented, dedicated, caring healthcare workers. They're exhausted. They're frustrated. And now, particularly at this point in the pandemic, when we have very effective countermeasures and safe, highly effective vaccines, and yet many people are still refusing to get vaccinated. When you're a critical care nurse who has spent most of the last two years dealing with COVID patients fighting for their lives, and you look and you say 90% of the people I'm taking care of or more are people who chose not to do the right thing, it's hard and it is draining. The payroll impact is also substantial, as you said. It's equally tough when you've got a dedicated critical care nurse and next to her is a traveling nurse who's being paid more money, doesn't know where things are, asking to help get oriented to the unit. Mm -hmm. That's frustrating. So we and many his systems in Virginia have really done everything we can to try to increase salaries to recognize and retain our highly talented folks. But remember, VCU is a safety net institution, and VCU as a research and education institution, our pockets are not as deep as some of the other systems in the state. So it is a real challenge for us because we have to sustain our mission and we also have to sustain our workforce. You know, we really have three missions. One, and our first and fundamental, is to give great care to patients and great care to the Commonwealth and its communities. But our other two missions are also important. Educate the next generation of health professionals, not just doctors, but nurses, dentists, pharmacists, health professionals in all backgrounds, from PT to OT to many, many others. That has to not only continue, but look to ways to partner and accelerate the production of Virginia's future healthcare workforce. And we're also committed to a, a longstanding journey of discovery. 
to finding better treatments, better cures, more effective approaches, not just to infectious diseases like COVID, but also cancer, cardiovascular disease, neuro injuries, and many, many other conditions. So it's an energizing place to work, but I am frankly concerned for America's health workforce. And I don't feel that it's getting the attention that it needs. Think back to those early days of the pandemic. Everybody had signs for healthcare heroes in their front yards. They were banging pots in New York when people went to work. These days, it's almost as if people have assumed everything is business as normal. It is not business as normal. That's a great point. And you may recall that just recently, we here at VHHA actually did a statewide tour to show appreciation for all of these frontline incredible workers and all the work they continue to do. And we did, in fact, visit the VCU Medical Center campus and downtown. Thank and, you for doing that. And, that uh, was, it was really you know, important. It was, it was great to see the reaction from people. But you know, one of the reasons we wanted to do that was just to, as you just said, to remind people that this is still going on. Yeah. And so that's important. And points you make about workforce, I mean, this is a continuing challenge. It's something that predated the pandemic, but it's been magnified, as you said, by the pandemic. And I'll have to say, as challenging as it is in cities like Richmond, Northern Virginia, the Hampton Roads area, I'm really worried about our rural hospitals. They're in parts of the state where there are lower rates of vaccination. It's harder to get skilled healthcare workers to live there and work there. And your margin of ability to adapt if you start losing staff is very, very small. And in many of these cases, if you're the only hospital for 40, 50, 60 miles and you can't keep a ward open or you've got multiple patients that are admitted to the hospital but there's no bed available and they're boarding in the emergency department, it is an order of magnitude bigger challenged in a big six, seven, eight hundred bed hospital. And again, I wish I had a magic answer for that, but I think that as a state, we've really got to come to grips with that very quickly. And I plead with anybody and everybody that listens to this podcast to please take this disease seriously. Please get vaccinated. If you are vaccinated, get boosted and take the Delta virus and the Omicron coming hard on its heels. Seriously, we are not out of the woods. We may be tired of the virus. The virus is not tired of us. Great points. And one about anybody, please, if you haven't been vaccinated, get vaccinated. Take this seriously. Continue to exercise the appropriate discretion in terms of your health decisions. And then to the point you made about rural providers in particular, yes, we know that attracting and retaining a talented clinical staff in rural communities is challenging. And so that's a great point. And we also know that across the nation, many rural hospitals, uh, something like 180 rural hospitals have closed in the last 15 years. Thankfully, Virginia has not been as hard hit by that trend as some other communities. Communities, but we need to preserve rural access to care. So it's a great point you made there. I got to tell you just quickly, I've been, again, I've been here now for nearly 15 months. I look at the stats every day. We have treated hundreds and hundreds and really close to 5,000 patients with COVID. And we've saved a lot of them, including critically ill patients. I can't remember a single hospitalized patient from vaccine side effects. And yet we have people that are afraid to get the vaccine. They should be a lot more afraid about getting COVID, spreading it to their family, or spreading it to people in their community they care about. So I just hope and plead that people can put politics in the web aside and just realize we have a powerful tool, not perfect, but incredibly powerful and very safe and take advantage of it. Yes, safe, effective, available, accessible. So please, if you haven't gotten a vaccine, don't take it from me. Take it from the trained medical 
professional you're hearing from, Dr. Kellerman, and strongly consider getting that vaccine. Uh, Dr. Kellerman, a few minutes ago, you mentioned an African-American doctor that inspired your work in healthcare, and I did want to ask you about what drew you into this field and this line of work, because you've had an extensive career as a physician and healthcare leader, as a past dean of the Edward A. Bears, or is it A. Bear or yeah, Herbert A. Bear School of Medicine at the Uniform Services University of Health Sciences, as a member of the National Academy of Medicine, academic medical professor, and more. Tell us what got you into this profession and tell us about the person that you mentioned from East Tennessee, Dr. Hiram Moore, who inspired you. Well, I grew up in a small town in rural East Tennessee, Marion County, in a town of 5,000 people. And my family worked in a cast iron foundry that I'm happy to say is still in business today. I can tell you seven summers working around molten iron and sand and dust in the Tennessee summers inspired me to be a doctor. That's only half true. But Hiram Moore did the rest because when I got to college, having come out of a poor rural high school and like a lot of my classmates, not taking studies as seriously as I probably could have, college almost killed me in that first year. And I went home at the end of the second semester with three C's, a GPA below three, and thought my dream of being a doctor was a joke. And I spent a night with Hiram Moore at his home, and he said, I can't tell you why you want to be a doctor, but I can tell you why I became a doctor. And it was the closest I've ever come to having a revival experience. I walked out of there and thought, I'm called to do this. And that boost that night really pivoted my career. And I went back to college and I didn't make anything less than an A until the second semester of my senior year when I let my energy level down just a notch. And the rest is kind of history. But Hiram was a great man. He took care of everybody in that community, black and white alike, rich and poor. And that value system and my family's value system really rubbed off on me. I didn't plan on being an academic. I certainly didn't plan on ever having an opportunity to lead an academic medical center or the stature of ECU. But you know, life opens doors and if you're bold and brave, you walk through them. Really, I owe it all to that small town and a sense of community and commitment. And that is pervasive all over Virginia. In fact, I used to say my career plan was to be a small town doctor in the Shenandoah Valley. Well, I got the Virginia part down at least. And VCU <laughs> serves the Shenandoah Valley as partners with the wonderful health systems that take care of people there at the local level. What I said to a hospital administrator recently at a VHHA meeting is, our goal is to be every health system and every doctor and every patient in Virginia's best friend when you're really up against it and you need the best highest end, most specialized services, call on us. We'll help you out. We'll patch you up and we'll get you home to your local health system, to your doctor, to your family and your community. That's what academic medical centers should be all about. You mentioned, and it's very evident that the pandemic is still with us. With that understanding, as you pointed out earlier in our conversation, there are many projects happening at VCU Health that endured and continued even as the pandemic raged on. I wonder, as you look ahead into your continuing journey at VCU Health, leading this health system, what are some projects or initiatives that you would point out or illustrate that speak to the evolving nature of the health system and its work to protect public health and strengthen the communities it serves? Well, I I was proud when I came here to see that VCU Health did not lay off its workforce or furlough doctors in that first wave of the pandemic. We kept everybody on payroll. We also kept those big building projects, our new outpatient tower, as well as the Children's Hospital Wonder Tower, under construction, which kept hundreds and hundreds of jobs in a very challenging economy. So people tend to forget the impact economically on jobs and a community that health systems have above and beyond keeping people healthy or fixing them when they're sick or injured. But at this point, we now have the adult 
outpatient pavilion open. You can drive to downtown Richmond in a few minutes, pull underneath the building in a parking deck, be in an elevator in about 40 seconds, and at a modern, totally engineered clinic designed to give you the best possible experience in a really comforting setting. The Wonder Tower is going to be one of the most amazing pediatric hospitals in the world, and I think it's not only going to give great care to kids in Richmond and in Virginia, it's going to draw kids and families from around the country, and it is an entire city block, all in, totally dedicated to sick and injured children, supporting their families, their parents, and their siblings. And now with our new electronic health record, which our healthcare workers had to learn to use in the middle of a pandemic with everything else going on, we went live with that a little more than 10 days ago. It was a great rollout. We did it the same weekend that we opened the Adult Outpatient Pavilion, and yet this amazing team at VCU Health pulled it off. So going forward this year and into next, I'd say our next big thing is that we are looking to redefine what it means to be a safety net institution. Historically, teaching hospitals basically said, if you get real sick, we're here for you. Whether you're rich or you're poor, black or white, Hispanic or, or Asian, we got you. And we're going to keep doing that. But we're also going to put more effort and work and ingenuity into partnering with communities to help them stay healthy, sustain and support our federally qualified health centers in the Richmond area and others. Because the best way to help people with chronic diseases is to keep them from developing Developing those chronic diseases. And if they do have a chronic disease, manage them well in clinic so they don't need to be hospitalized. It's certainly not as often. That's a win for the hospital. It's a win for the patient. And it's a win for our economy. So the more that VCU can do to support the health of the region, that'll be good for economic development, good for recruiting businesses to Virginia. It will also make our health system and American health care more efficient, more just, and more fair. Well, it's a great point about the economic impact beyond the health benefits and the essential health services that hospitals provide, also the economic impact. And we are actually in the midst of finalizing the community benefit report for the state. That should be out and available publicly probably by the time that this podcast is released. And Dr. Kellerman, before we let you go, I appreciate you making some time for us this morning. I'm going to close with two sort of more lighthearted questions now that we've covered some of the serious topical stuff. And these are questions that we ask everybody who's a guest on the Patients Come First podcast. The first one, and this is an entirely imaginary scenario, but in the hypothetical situation that you could anticipate your final day on earth, what would your last meal be? <laughs> I'd probably be a plate full of brownies. What can I say? Okay, There's so just, just dessert, no, no main food. course? No, I think I'd just go right for the brownies because, you know, they're just nature's most perfect food. What can I say? Okay, listen, keep it simple. You know what you like. By the way, nobody who's a dietitian should pay attention to anything I just <laughs> said. It would be salmon, a little rice pilaf, you know, et cetera. But no, just I love brownies. Everybody's got to have a vice. Absolutely. And then finally, sir, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Oh, my gosh. That one is hard. Okay. You know, I'd have to think of just I love nonfiction history books. I'd probably pick a book like Team of Rivals about Abraham Lincoln mm -hmm. or something. Movie, that would equally be hard. I'd probably just for kicks take the original episode of Star Wars. I've been waiting for you all the We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, God. Which was one of the most amazing movies I ever saw. 
It is. It's and the last movie. one was album. Yes, sir. I will go with Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. Okay. Well, listen, I want to thank you again for being with us and sharing your insights and your thoughts. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Art Kellerman from VCU Health for being with us today. So thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. 